Hennessy and Tea Sippers. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Chronicles of She. It's your one and only girl, the queen, Taylor Cathy in the motherfucking building. Welcome back. It's been a while since we last chatted. I've been on my author's promotion game heavy. And we are back here tonight to talk about celebrity topics. We also going to be talking about... We're going to talk about Lizzo and her plans. We're also going to be talking about the Will Smith scandal and other things. Y'all, let's get into it. The first on the docket is the slap heard around the Oscars. Will Smith took to the stage of the Oscars and slapped the ever-living dog shit out of Chris Rock. After slapping the comedian Chris Rock live on stage at the Academy Awards, Will Smith won the Oscar for Best Actor and delivered a teary acceptance speech. But... He is in some serious trouble now. From his start as a goofy G-rated rapper and sitcom star through his carefully managed rise as a blockbuster action hero, Will Smith has spent decades radiating boundless likability. But his amiable image was something of a facade, he wrote in his memoir, noting that a therapist had nicknamed him his nice guy persona, Uncle Fluffy. Sorry, Uncle Fluffy. Mr. Smith said he had concocted this people-pleasing demeanor as a means of deflection during his turbulent childhood. As an adult, he became my armor and my shield, he wrote. Uncle Fluffy paid the bills. Mr. Smith wrote that he had another less public side, the general, a punisher who emerged with joviality, didn't get the job done. When the general shows... Up, people are shocked and confused, he wrote in Will, in his 2021 memoir. It was sweetness, 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 and then sour, sour, sourness. Both sides of Mr. Smith, 53, were on display on one of the world's biggest stages last week when he suddenly slapped the comedian Chris Rock during the telecast of the Academy Awards ceremony complaining that Mr. Rock had insulted his wife of 25 years, Jada Pinkett Smith, with a joke. Soon afterward, Mr. Smith won the Oscar for Best Actor and wept through his polarizing acceptance speech. Then he was off to the Vanity Fair party dancing to Getting Jiggy With, his chart-topping hit from the last century as though nothing had happened. Now Mr. Smith has resigned from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences that just honored him with an Oscar and which has condemned his actions and open disciplinary proceedings against him. And he is confronting the very real possibility that a night which should be which should have been the crowning moment of his professional career could wind up damaging a family brand rooted in his seemingly authentic congeniality. For several years, a growing branch of Smith Enterprises has adeptly delivered reality-style revelation and emotional intimacy across an expanding number of platforms. Beyond Mr. Smith's acting career and his introspective best-selling memoir, there is the popular Red Table talk show on Facebook Watch, in which Ms. Pinkett, their daughter Willow, and Jada's mother, Adrian Banfield Norris, hold forth on everything from racial identity to workout routines to the Smith's unconventional marriage. 
Mr. Smith's upcoming projects include Emancipation, a $100 million high-prestige drama for Apple, an action thriller at Netflix of remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, where he would star opposite Kevin Hart for Paramount in the second installment of a travel series for National Geographic on Disney+. They are all under the banner of Westbrook Studios, the film and television arm of the media company that the Smith family started in 2019. It was valued at $600 million earlier this year when an investment firm bought a 10% stake. Now that Mr. Smith may not be welcomed at the Oscars and his public reputation has been tarnished, studios may be wary of hiring him at the moment for lead roles in their biggest films. The companies behind Mr. Smith's upcoming projects declined to comment on whether they were altering their plans in light of the recent events, but three talent agents who were granted anonymity to describe private negotiations said there had been indications that at least some of his upcoming projects could be hanging in the balance. Several public relations specialists who focus on crisis management warned that the incident could erode the good will that the Smiths have built up while others suggested the fallout could be contained. His brand is currently damaged goods worldwide, said Mike Paul, a public relations expert. The veteran television producer, Jonathan Murray, who has dealt with an on and off screen drama and family brands in programming like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, said that the outcome for the Smiths depends on what steps they, and particularly Mr. Smith, take now. I think most people would give him the benefit of the doubt, said Mr. Murray, a co-founder of the production company Bunyam Murray, which pioneered reality TV but it really will rest on whether we believe that he is authentically dealing with this. Several friends and colleagues of Mr. Smith described the Oscars altercation as a puzzling aberration for a man who has spent his career almost fanatically hewing to professional standards. What happened was inconsistent with any behavior I've seen working with Will Smith, said Elizabeth Cantillion, a producer of Concussion, the 2015 film in which he played a doctor battling the NFL. He was always exquisite. I think he's part of the collective breakdown we are all having. The incident came as Mr. Smith has appeared to be in a period of transition, seeking out loftier and more personal roles, expanding his media empire beyond film and television, openly discussing the abuse he witnessed his father inflict on his mother, and working on what he has described as self-understanding through therapy, meditation, and even hallucinogenics. Oh, hallucinogens. Strategizing that, strategizing about being the biggest movie star in the world that is all completely over. Mr. Smith said in an interview with the New York Times Magazine in December, he added, I want to take roles where I get to look at myself, where I get to look at my family. I get to look at ideas that are important to me. Everything in my life is more centered on spiritual growth and evolution. Mr. Smith, a Philadelphia native, started performing as a teenager in the 80s in the rap duo DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and quickly earned a Grammy, the first ever for best rap performance for Parents Just Don't Understand. A chance encounter with the producer Quincy Jones led him to starring in the hit NBC sitcom The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which ran from 1990 to 1996, featuring a hip-hop theme many children of the era can still recite. 
It was perhaps the last bit of his career that happened by accident. Mr. Smith's company recently developed Bel Air, a dramatic reboot which just finished its first two seasons on Peacock as the nascent steam streamers most watched original series. Mr. Smith then set out to make himself the best, just the biggest movie star in the world, and by many measures succeeded with a business partner, James Lassier. Mr. Smith plotted out with Actric. A trio zeal, the commodities among hit movies, special effects, aliens, a love story. He became the face of summer blockbusters with films including Men in Black and Independence Day. In his memoir written with Mark Manson, he provides a handy if boastful chart of his prowess from 2002 to 2008. He had eight consecutive films gross more than 100 million domestically for the fans he was always accommodating but the mantle was heavy i am a black man in hollywood in order to sustain my position i can't get caught slipping not even once mr smith wrote in his book i had to be perfect at all times part of the image that mr smith sought to project had to do with his seemingly inevitable family life. His creatively inclined children, Willow 21, his son Jaden 23, and Trey 29, a son from his previous marriage, and his union with Miss Pinkett Smith 50, an actress and musician. The portrait of stability cracked in recent years, especially when Miss Pinkett Smith acknowledged in a 2020 episode of Red Table Talk that the couple had gone through a separation during which she had been involved in what she called an entanglement with R&B singer August Alsina. Leveraging Red Table Talk as a sort of public therapy session, the Smiths have laid their bare details of some of their fiercest disputes, sometimes in the presence of Willow and Miss Banfield Norris. Mr. Smith's mother-in-law, who is known to viewers as Grammy, as Gammy, excuse me, in one episode in 2018, the Smiths sought to dispel rumors noting that they are neither swingers nor Scientologists after reports over the years that they had donated money to causes affiliated with Scientology. We have devoted ourselves to each other in a spiritual sense. Spiritual, emotional, it's like whatever she needs, she can count on me for the rest of her life. Mr. Smith said in the episode, we don't have any deal breakers. The revelations about their marriage were met with public derision, including on the awards circuit. In mid-March at the BAFSAs, Britain's equivalent of the Oscars, the host, the comedian Rebel Wilson, joked about it when she mentioned Mr. Smith's win for King Richard. Personally, she said, I thought his best performance in the past was being okay with all his wife's boyfriends. Ooh! Mr. Smith was not present at that ceremony. At this year's Academy Awards, even before Mr. Rock took the stage, Regina Hall alluded to the Smith's relationship in a comic bit in which she suggestively asked to personally inspect some of the Hollywood's most eligible bastards, joking that their COVID test results had been lost. Will Smith, she said, you're married, but you know what? You're on the list and looks like Jada approved you. So get up on, get up on here. He laughed and stayed seated. What did bring Mr. Smith to his feet striding purposely across the stage to strike Mr. Rock was an ad-libbed line about Miss Pinkett Smith's shaved head. It stung Mr. Smith, explained later, because Miss Pinkett Smith has alopecia, which leads to her hair loss. 
a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear and I reacted emotionally. Mr. Smith explained in the apology to Mr. Rock and others he posted on Instagram Monday evening. For his part, Mr. Rock said at his comedy show on Wednesday that he was still processing the event. A representative for Mr. Smith declined to comment. Representatives for Ms. Pinkett Smith and Mr. Rock did not respond to requests for comment. For many viewers and fans, especially black fans, the incident involving three of the highest profile black artists in Hollywood was fraught and did not lend itself to easy judgment. It's a really complicated moment because of all the ways that it resonates with gender, race, and power and brand, said Miriam Petty, a film historian and professor at Northwestern University who studies black stardom. Some commenters criticized Mr. Rock for what they deemed a low blow. Others, like the actress Tiffany Haydish, who co-starred with Miss Pinkett Smith in the comedy Girls Trip, applauded Mr. Smith for seeming to defend his wife's honor, which Dr. Petty characterized as understandable in a world in which Black women and other women of color are not afforded the same social protections as their white counterparts. But was that stance anti-feminist? Did it glorify violence again? Messy, 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 Dr. Petty said. Since turning 50, Mr. Smith has relaxed to some degree his public image. A recent YouTube series, Best Shape of My Life, that ostensibly targeted his non-superhero dad bod was really about unbuckling his own structures of behavior. He has traveled without security for the first time in years, at last learned to swim, and tried to come to terms after the death of his father in 2016, which is with the toll that relationship took. In the statement announcing his resignation from the Academy, Mr. Smith said, change takes time and I am committed to doing the work to ensure that I never again allow violence to overtake reason. Now, as Mr. Smith seeks to rebound from this episode, he seems all but certain to do it with his family around him. In the aftermath of the Oscars, Miss Pinkett Smith posted a message on Instagram. This is a season for healing. It read using a watch word well known to the 11 million Facebook followers of Red Table Talk. And I'm here for it. I'm going to give my opinion about this. Will has been dealing with a lot of emotional problems with his life. He's been dealing with it for a long time and he's been pushing it down, pushing it down and pushing it down. And that night it brought out, it brought out the real will, what he's been holding back for years. And Chris happened to be the one to push his buttons. The fact that Chris, I'm gonna say it, what Chris Rock said was not funny at all. I don't, to be honest, I don't even find Chris Rock all that fucking funny, but it triggered, it really triggered Will. I know she's supposed to be in a movie at some point, but she does have an illness. I also don't, I don't like Jada all that much anymore because of the weight, because of what she did to Will. If you guys see the episode of Red Table Talk that they did together, he looks like he was holding back from just, uh, from jumping on her. He was stuffing it down. He was just stuffing it down and stuffing it down and he just, mm. The man looked broken. After that, after this has happened, he just, he looks so damn broken. I've, I really feel for Will. I do. I really feel for him. And I'm glad that he's not, he's not shying away from what he did and he's taking responsibility for it. 
Chris should also take responsibility too for what he said. Because he that that shit got out of control. And also they should have just took this shit off stage and say, like, yo, that wasn't cool. And also Jada should have confronted him too, like, hey, that's not cool at all. There were a lot of other situations that could have happened that could have happened that night. But it land it 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 ended with Chris Rock getting his shit rocked. And now Will is resigning from the Oscars. And after his first win, and that's really sad that he has to that he after getting his first his first win, that's all people are going to remember is that he rocked Chris Rock shit. It's really gonna it's gonna be hard. And it's gonna it's gonna be hard for a while, but I'm sincerely proud of Will for I'm very proud of him for saying what he had to say and also that he's no punk. He's no punk and he would do anything to protect his family. <sighs> now we all know we have to read the response of what Chris wants because of what Chris thinks. What is on Chris Rock's mind? It's a simple yet valid question. One, the world is wondering after Will Smith slapped the comedian on live television during the Oscars on Sunday. The now infamous blow has been the topic du jour on every corner of the internet and television in the 48 hours since, but Rock has remained noticeably quiet. That is until Wednesday evening when Rock broke his silence and addressed the topic publicly as a stand-up show in Boston. Whoa, okay, he explained upon the entering the stage at the Wilbur Theater, an all-white ensemble audience members in the thousand-seat venue greeted the 57-year-old with a rock star's welcome. Rock basked in the standing ovation, which thundered on for nearly two minutes before he made another effort to get the ball rolling for the evening. Yo, let me do the show. After a few additional moments of applause, Rock addressed the elephant in the room. How was your weekend? He began with a knowing wink, drawing a wave of laughter. I don't have a bunch of shit about what happened. So if you came to hear that, I have a whole show I wrote before this weekend. I'm still kind of processing what happened. So at some point, I'll talk about that shit and it will be serious and funny. An audience member then chanted, fuck Will Smith. But Rock ignored the comment and began his hour-long set. I'm going to tell some jokes, he said. It's just nice to be out. Ooh. Ahead of the 7.30 p.m. show, there was a small media frenzy that grew increasingly hectic outside the relatively inconspicuous theater. There were at least a dozen broadcast journalists set up as early as two hours before showtime bundled up in the in the 30-degree New England weather. This is insane, one onlooker shouted as he walked off troves of camera and on-air reporters around 6 p.m. <sighs> Prior to the showtime, local religious leaders gathered in front of the Wilbur Theater to make a statement about the incident regarding our brothers 
and send a message that violence is not the way to resolve conflict. This is a teachable moment, so we end the cycle of violence that is underreported in the Black community, said Kevin C. Peterson, founder of the New Democracy Coalition, a nonpartisan and nonprofit organization that focuses on civic engagement to a small crowd of reporters. Event organizers at the Wilbur did not seem pleased with the masses that were forming on the scene. We have to get ready for a show, one Wilbur employee laminated as he attempted to set up security ropes in front of the venue. We're trying to work now. Boston resident Sam Wazina, 24, felt it was serendipitous that Wachwiss scheduled to make his first public appearance only a short distance from his hometown. He got tickets on Monday morning following Oscars and acted early enough that he nabbed one for 70. I didn't watch the Oscars live, but I watched the clips plenty of times, said Wasinia, alluding to the footage of Smith slapping Rock. I hope he leads his set with the whole situation. He can find the humor in it. Another Boston local 32-year-old Jesse Serrato saw an Instagram ad for Rock's show after he got smacked. He paid $225 and considers that a steal compared to what others spent Sitaro was unfazed by the circus of reporters around the theater. Why wouldn't they be here? It's a historic night, he said. Wasinia and Sitaro's wallets were relatively lucky. Others in the crowd admitted to shelling out 800 to 1,200 for admission. Comedian Rick Ingram, who was Rock's opening act, teased people in the balcony. Never thought you paid 1,000 for the worst seats in the house, he said during his set. Rock silence is perhaps the reason that ticket sales for his stand-up comedy tour were nearly impossible to come by. By coincidence, Rock was booked to play several shows in Boston beginning on Wednesday. He embarks on his Ego Death World Tour next month, which starts in New Jersey. It's the first time that Rock has gone on the road in five years. His four-day stint in Boston commenced on Wednesday at the 1,000-seat Wilbur Theater with one sold-out show at 7.30 p.m. and another at 10 p.m. Guests were required to show proof of COVID-19 vaccinations. Tickets went quickly on Ticketmaster and were being sold at StubHub and other ticket exchange and resale websites for astronomically high amounts. Original prices started at $49.50. But the wake of the shocking Oscars altercation tickets were being scalped for as much as 800 to 8,000 on the secondary seats, secondary sites. Whether or not anyone actually bought the 8,000 tickets is not clear. Admission to the 7.30 p.m. show was in especially high demand because any anticipated it would be the first time Rock would publicly respond to Smith's violent outburst. A StubHub representative said the site experienced more than 25 times the daily sales over the past two days compared to the last month. It is incredibly unusual to see the spike we have experienced, and Mike said Mike Silveria, spokesperson for StubHub. Similarly, the online ticket reseller TickPick wrote Monday on Twitter, we sold more tickets to see Chris Rock overnight than we did in the past month combined. 
The incident in question occurred in the middle of the 94th Annual Academy Awards as Rockford presented Rock presented the best documentary feature category on stage. The comedian began rife riffing about A-list celebrities in the audience before going off script to make a joke about Smith's wife Jada Pinkett Smith and her shaved head. The actress has alopecia, a medical condition that results in hair loss. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2 can't wait to see it. Rock said, referring to the 1997 action movie in which Demi Moore's character has a shaved head. Smith initially laughed at the jab, but after turning to Jada Pinkett Smith and noticing her epic eye roll at the joke, he quickly shifted gears and walked on stage to slap Rock in the face. At first, everyone, Rock included, thought the ruse was a bit, but it soon became clear that wasn't the case. Oh, wow. Rock said as Smith walked off the stage. Wow, Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Once he returning to his seat, Smith yelled, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Rock responded, wow, dude, it was a G.I. Jane joke. That prompted Smith to shout at louder octave, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Rock appeared visibly shaken on stage and struggled to collect his thoughts. That was uh, the greatest night in history of television, he offered. Shortly after striking Rock, Smith was awarded the Oscar for Best, Act Best Actor for his performance as tennis coach Richard Williams in King Richard, a feel-good sports drama in which he plays the father of tennis icons Venus and Serena Williams. In a tearful acceptance speech, Smith apologized to the Academy and his fellow Best Actor nominees, but he stopped short of mentioning Rock. In his remarks, he also attempted to connect the altercation to his on-screen character in King Richard. Richard Williams was a fierce defender of his family, Smith said. Art imitates life. I look like the crazy father, just like they said about Richard Williams. Later in his speech, he said, in business, in this business, you got to be able to have people disrespecting you. You got to smile and you got to pretend like that's okay. On Monday, Smith issued an apology to Rock on Instagram. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line and I was wrong. I am embarrassed and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. He also said, jokes at my expense are part of the job. But a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear and I reacted emotionally. Rock declined to press charges, but the Academy has launched an investigation into the situation to explore further action consequences, a spokesperson said. <sighs> so he's basically being relatively quiet. Okay, at least he's not being a dick. But still, I didn't find that shit funny. I didn't find I didn't find the joke funny either. But like I said, Will is being honest. And he's going to get some help. And also, this is this is also a time for shedding a skin where you you don't always have to be on performance. That celebrities are human beings, just like the regular, like the like us regular people. Okay, they have thoughts, they have feelings, and sometimes they're gonna fuck up, and that's okay. And I'm glad that. Will is taking the first step to apologize. He's really good. I'm proud of you, man. And Chris, let this be a learning lesson to you too. All right. 
Okay, guys, we're going to take ourselves a small music break. When I come back, we are going to be talking about R. Kelly. Stay tuned. enjoyed that music break <laughs> speaking of music r kelly has proven that he is not going to be stopped making music anytime soon or singing for his fans behind bars nasty motherfucker r kelly is in jail with my dad and he called to serenade me that's right that is right r kelly's cellmate has a daughter and he allowed r kelly to serenade her from behind bars it's totally fucked up like for real okay incarcerated i believe i can fly crooner r kelly 55 is sparking social media controversy from prison after a young woman posted a now viral video of him reportedly serenading her over the phone while behind bars on friday R. Kelly did me the favor and sang for me because he and my dad are serving time together. TikTok user Jizzle Oldie KK 
from New York City told the Post. Her identity was confirmed, but she asked not to reveal her full name or age for privacy purposes. It wasn't for any other weird reason. She continued for her, of her alleged private concert from Kelly, who in September was found guilty on federal racketeering and sex trafficking charges. He's currently being held without bail at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn until sentence, till his sentencing in May. And it wasn't for money, she added. Representatives for Kelly did not immediately respond to the post request for comment. Per the now infamous footage, which has amassed over 895,000 views on TikTok alone, the woman asked a voice she claims is the incarcerated Grammy winner to regale her with an impromptu performance of his lesser-known ditty, Love Letter. She titled the post, When Your Dad Goes to the Same Prison as R. Kelly, and wrote, Hashtag R. Kelly Free Him, though, as the caption. Did you get my card? Did you read my love letters? Sings Kelly in, in his signature baritone. Did, you, did it touch your heart when you read my love letter? Despite the sweet nature of the serenade, digital keyboard critics furiously condemned the deed. Letting R. Kelly sing to your daughter from his prison cell is actually crazy, asserted an incensed Twitter user. People don't hate R. Kelly enough for a child rapist, barked another, citing the countless allegations of sexual abuse against minors that have plagued the snake vocalist for more than three decades. Other internet gestures shared scathing tweets and memes aimed at Kelly, who was once boasted as a bountiful net worth of $100 million for presumably having to sing in exchange for money to make in-prison purchases despite the TikToker denying it was for cash. Kelly allegedly singing for commissary is the best thing I didn't know I needed. Child predators have no need in this world, tweeted a detector, detractor. Nah, the weirdest part about R. Kelly on the prison phone singing for commissary is the girl recording the video of him singing even sounds underage. Am I the only one to notice this? Another tweeted, ha, <laughs> see? Mm. The following from Grace Jokes, notwithstanding at Jizzled Oldie KK published a follow-up TikTok explaining she scored the solo from Kelly and insisting that the convict is just a really nice dude. On Friday, I went to visit, went to go visit my dad and I saw R. Kelly too because he was getting visited i think by his daughter she said when i got home my dad he called me just to make sure i came home safe during their call the woman claims her father offered to put her on the phone with kelly i got him on the phone and i just asked him if he could sing for me he did sing for me it wasn't for commissary it wasn't for money he's just a really nice guy and a genuine guy and as for why she opted to share the conversational, controversial visuals, the woman said, I just wanted to make a video with positive vibes, something that everybody could laugh at. She ended her public address, revealing that she may remove the original video from her TikTok profile in order to avoid any legal trouble for sharing the clip. However, she did note that Kelly had fellow inmates laughing at his impromptu performance. My dad had mentioned that he was there and he had started singing before his daughter left. And everybody was laughing, she said. It was kind of like a funny moment. Man, I like to know what the father's up in there for. You, obviously, it might be for the same crimes because if you're that comfortable with letting him sing to your daughter, then obviously 
shit. He probably trying to sell her too. That's just nasty. Oh my God. And motherfucker, this motherfucker is still trying to delay the delay the court. Bruh, man, that life sentence cannot come any faster. Man, we are, I, I know we in April, God, but man, this bump better go fast because I need to know what the fuck is going to happen. Excuse me, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> R. Kelly seeking to delay sentencing in the New York case until after Chicago trial. The attorney for convicted R&B singer R. Kelly is asking a federal judge to delay his sentencing until after his Chicago trial later this year, arguing that they won't be able to protect his constitutional rights without compromising his Fifth Amendment rights. Kelly, 55, is currently scheduled to be sentenced on his racketeering conviction in New York in May. But in a motion filed before U.S. District Judge Ann Donnelly, a defense attorney, Jennifer Bone Jean, expressed grave concerns that sentencing R. Kelly before his Chicago case goes to trial could interfere with Mr. Kelly's Fifth Amendment guarantees. To put a finer point on it, undersigned counsel cannot advise Mr. Kelly to be examined or interviewed by a Mike mitigation expert for sentencing in his in this case if his words might be used against him in some manner at his pending northern district of illinois trial bone jean wrote mr kelly should not have to compromise his fifth amendment rights in his pending criminal case in this northern district of illinois to develop and present comprehensive mitigation evidence in the instant case a New York jury found Kelly guilty of nine counts, including racketeering, on its second day of deliberations last September. The following month, U.S. District Judge Harry Linenweiber ordered Kelly to stand trial in Chicago on child, on child pornography and obstruction of justice charges in August 2022. In August 2022, following his conviction, Kelly faces the possibility of decades in prison for crimes including violating the Mann Act and anti-sex trafficking law that prohibits taking anyone across state lines for any immoral purpose. Bone Jean argues that the federal prosecutors are not prejudiced by pushing back the New York sentencing by three months. Mr. Kelly is facing a serious and lengthy sentence of imprisonment. He should not have to forego presenting mitigation evidence at his sentencing hearing out of fear that his words could be used against him at his upcoming trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already know his name is Robert Sylvester Carey. Get the fuck out of here. We <coughs> give a shit. <laughs> <coughs> Damn it, R. Kelly, you got me so fucking mad, you got me fucking coughing. Fuck you. Uh, mm. He, 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 right. Nah, bruh, you gonna get sentenced? You were going to get sentenced in New York, in New York first, and then you're gonna go to Chicago and you can get hit with a double life sentence. Fuck that. And as for surviving R. Kelly, it is leaving soon. It is definitely leaving. It's leaving the platform of Netflix. The Lifetime docuseries looking into the sexual abuse allegations against R. Kelly departs Netflix soon. Netflix has slowly been losing the show around the world, having picked up the global licensing rights back in September 2019. We then saw the two follow-ups, Surviving R. Kelly Part 2, The Reckoning, and Surviving R. Kelly, The Impact, added in April 2020, only in the United States. Netflix is 
You Netflix US is also notably renewed the series for a further two years. The docuseries first came out right around the time Kelly was formally charged with criminal sexual abuse after years of claims. The series interviews the women accusing the rapper and singer are Kelly of sexual and mental abuse. The follow-up series saw more women coming forward and looked at the case following the verdict. Finally, one off special hosted hosted by Soledad O'Brien took a look at the impact of the docuseries and the trial itself. When will surviving R. Kelly leave Netflix and other regions? Netflix US, US isn't the only one showing surviving R. Kelly, nor is it the only region to see the show expiring soon. Most regions, including the likes of the UK and Australia, lost the first season of the show back in September 2021, two years after it was added. Netflix Brazil is notably showing a removal date for March 18th, which was last month which is exactly two years after Netflix licensed the title there. If that pattern follows, we'd expect Netflix Canada to see the series leave in April 2022. Well, we are in April. Welcome to fucking April, y'all. We'll confirm that VIA are leaving Canada Post. Other regions will still carry the series includes France, Germany, South Africa, and Switzerland. Man, this is, this is just, woo, this is getting crazy. This is getting crazy. Seriously, this is getting, mm. and we're cl- we're getting close to these trials. Well, the sentencing and then him going to Chicago, his hometown, where the disgraced hero will be sentenced to. Guys, it. I am just mind blown right now. Mind blown. Also, I want to give a shout out to Miss Lizette Martinez. We were supposed to talk again, but she is currently putting her mental health first. And Queen, you do what you have to do for yourself. And I, lo- I have nothing but love for you. You keep your head up. And congratulations on your book. So we will soon hear from her, but guys, please send her your prayers. All right, we're going to take ourselves a quick music break. When I come back, we're going to be discussing Lizzo. So ready, text blowing up, this chick wanna fuck I text her back, I'm good, cause she run her mouth too much I ain't never been thirsty for pussy, not my speed Add to the fact, once they come, they don't wanna leave I let my mind wander when the stars out Summer nights, my city bring the cars out Had to hit my man army just to check up on him That's what real niggas do, don't need a reason for it Pulled over, sparked up the clip I had Thinking about my last kill, damn that bitch was bad I ain't never been cocky, I just reminisce My heart beat for nights like this I'm in the clouds now 
I am so zen Add to the fact you can't match my pen Silly rabbit insecure Thought I wanted this chick Could've had a side piece though That's real shit Could give a fuck about the lame That's always been the vibe I'ma forever be me 365 Got a date with destiny I love the way she tastes All excited pussy throbbing When I grab her waist She say I'm nasty Leaning on the whip with the blunt lit I work hard to live free Fuck all the dumb shit These niggas say they outside But duck in the smoke A bunch of bozos That ain't got nowhere to go I'm a clock cleaner You a pop diva There's a difference If you're scared Go to church Link up with your reverend I blow gray clouds I'm a perfect storm Unstoppable This ain't what you want I'm in the clouds now guys enjoyed that music break we are back with more news we're gonna be talking about miss lizzo rihanna has her fenty line and now lizzo is coming out with her own line of shapewear that's right the grammy winning singer releases her newest venture shapewear the many many people who have applauded criticized and otherwise taken part in which in what often seems like an endless discussion around Lizzo's naked form may be surprised to learn that she does not spend quite as much time undressed as they may think. Sometimes when I look at the internet, I have an identity crisis because I'm like, wait, who do these people think I am? Lizzo, birth name Melissa Jefferson, said recently via Zoom from her home in Los Angeles. Behind her were many awards, an Amethyst Crystal for Good Vibes, and her Baby Yoda collection. Right now, I think people just think I'm naked all the time, she said. That's the one thing I see. Ooh, there's old Little. She's naked again. I'm shocked she's got on clothes. Sure, 
she has posted some nudes online using her own body to force a resessment of prejudice around size and beauty. Sure, she has gone to events like Cardi B's birthday in a sheer crystal dress over a thong and pasties and set off a viral debate. But actually, she has spent a good chunk of her time in the last three years, not just on her upcoming album or her new Amazon Prime reality show, Watch Out for the Big Girls, but also on an entirely different project. One that involves putting stuff on rather than taking it off. It is, she teased recently on social media, the biggest thing yet, bigger than anything I've ever done. It may also be the most controversial because Lizzo, champion of unfettered flesh, is making shapewear. You know, the type of underwear that traditionally has seen the opposite of the message about loving yourself as you are contained in such Lizzo songs as Juice and Truth Hurts, not to mention her TV show. It's the sort of potential contradiction that in the social media echo chamber of personal sensitives can often end up viewed as betrayal of the bond between fan and favorite. As Lizzo notes, which is why she wants to be clear. She isn't trying to change other people's bodies. She's trying to change the essence of shapewear itself. The line is called Yitty. After her childhood nickname, it was created with Fabletics INC, the parent company of Fabletics, the active life wear brand, co-founded by Kate Hudson. It will be introduced this week with about 100 different pieces divided into three collections, Nearly Naked, Mesh Me, and Major Label. Together, Lizzo said they will give everyone the opportunity to speak for themselves when it comes to how their body should look and how they should feel in their body. <sighs> Shapewear was one of those untouched constructions in fashion people weren't really messing messing with or thinking about Lizzo said at a certain point I started to make my own little pieces little moments here little moments there little booty lift here I wanted to share that the point is to do for the concept of so-called innerwear what Lizzo did not for her for size in general not to mention the flute which she famously plays while twerking what she has done for herself really break it out of the box where society and culture has stuck it get back get past body positivity which has become a sort of meaningless catchphrase for the mainstream to body narrative for every normative for everyone i'm selling that more than i'm selling thongs more than i'm selling body suits or i'm selling shapewear lizzo said I'm selling a mentality that I can do what I want with my body, wear what I want, and feel good while I'm doing it. That whatever body you are showing off, it's not, oh, how brave she continued. No, no, more of that. Nothing to see here but a body just like your body. A brief history of shapewear. Shapewear is a relatively new name for a very old concept, kind of like how wellness now encompasses diets. That is that a woman's body should be altered via external means to make it more acceptable to the eyes of various beholders, most of them men. If that involved pain, well, such as the price of achieving society's definition of beauty. What, form, what forms the altercations take 
have varied according to the culture norms. References to girdles can be found as far as the Iliad panniers, those underskirt structures that exaggerated hips were a 16th century version of shapewear. So were steel or whale bound in canvas corsets. Come to the mid 20th century, elastic girdles were in vogue, in which in turn gave way to the pantyhose which evolved in 2000 into spandex, which is what made shapewear modern day famous. By swapping out cut and sew technology for lycra knit, the spandex, this, this, oh sorry, the Spanx from Sarah Blakely transformed Hollywood red carpets becoming a billionaire along the way. Still, Spanx, like all corsets and girdles before it, was kind of foundation garment made to be hidden its very ex existence suggesting that what was underneath was somehow not quite up to par even as it acted as a secret weapon to allow bodies of all types access to clothes made for the few also comfort when it comes to shape remained a relative term in part to change that lots of new players have entered the market most notably yummy tummy founded in 2008 and now rebranded as Yummy. Honey Love created in 2016 and above all Skims, the Kim Kardashian brand introduced a in 2019, triumphing comfort and a variety of skin color tones and valued at 3.2 billion during a fundraising round earlier this year. Allied Market Research recently issued a report predicting the global compression and shapewear market would be worth 6.95 billion by 2030. The story goes that when I was born, my brother could not say Melissa, so he would go Mayidi. And my auntie Carmen would go, did he call her Yiddy? From then on, it was Yiddy Yiddy. Sally, my auntie passed in May of 2020. And a few months later, I decided to call this Yiddy in her honor. She would have loved this. She would have been so proud. Though shapewear shells declined during the pandemic, who needs it when you're lounging around the house in your sweats? Kirsten Classy Zamol, an apparel industrial indu industry analyst for the NPD Group, said that there has been an uptick in interest as COVID-19 protocols have relaxed and nightlife has returned. Comfort remains important, she said, but the growth was most apparent, most apparent in innovation and pieces worn to shape and be seen, especially among consumers under 40. Cora Harrington, the founder and editor-in-the-chief of Lingerie Attic Blog and the author of in, in Intimate Detail, How to Choose, Wear, and Love Lingerie, pointed out that for younger people, Spanx tend to be more associated with, her, with their mothers. They want something more fashionable. I think there is a space for another brand to bubble up and control that narrative. Ms. Harrington said perhaps because despite all the advances in the sector, the overriding aesthetic has remained tied to the barbification of the body. That's where Yiddy comes in. Though it may seem in the wake of Fenty and Skims that Lizzo33 is simply jumping on the celebrity shapewear bandwagon, she has actually been thinking about the sector since she was 12. That, she said, was when she was growing up in Houston. Her family had to move from Detroit when she was 10 and starting in middle school learning how to be ashamed of my body. Later, once she had begun to assert her, 
herself musically, she rejected that mindset and the undergarments that came with it entirely. And it was only after that, when she finally started to have fun with my started to have fun with my body and creating shapes and allowing my body to be curvaceous, loving the roles and that you're that you're supposed to hide and exploring through fashion, that she started to think about shapewear again. I went to a store, I won't name the store, looking for something for a party, she said. And the shapewear aisle was in disarray. Someone went in there in a mad dash looking for something that couldn't that he couldn't find. There were pieces on the floor. There were only three colors, jet black, ivory, white, and pink, the color of my nails. Lizzo waved her hand with its long pointy nails, the color of the ballet shoes. No one is that color, she said. She got serious about changing that around the time of Truth Hurts when she had a handful of meetings with different brands. I was like, guys, I'm telling you, I'm trying to revolutionize shapewear and our relationship with it and with our bodies. And they were like, well, you could do a capsule collection with us for X, Y, and Z. And I was like, they're not getting the vision. Mm. It was important for me when I wear it and the model... Oh, sorry. It was important for me when I wear it and model it. I'm not looking for something than than I normally look, Lizzo said. You may see my rolls and see a belly, and sometimes you see me in a super high compression. A lot of times I will do red carpets and not wear shapewear at all, or a bra. It depends on how I feel. You see me as you want to see me. And y'all, these pieces are amazing. Like, for real, I would wear it. There's a hot pink one. Ooh, oh, let me continue before I, before I start to go shopping on here. Damn, it's going to turn into shopping with the Chronicles of She. <laughs> she wanted shapewear that announced itself with pride and felt like a hug. The kind of shapewear that if you sat down and your shirt rode up or your pants pulled down, you'd be happy to show it off. The kind of shapewear you could wear with nothing on top. She didn't even want to call it shapewear. She wanted to call it bodywear, but no one knew what that meant. Then Kevin Bessler, her manager, told her that he had met with Fabletics team who had been doing a lot of customer surveys. Those customers had said that number one category they wanted was to start with shapewear, said Don Ressler, who founded Fabletics, INC, along with Adam Goldenberg. Mr. Ressler had seen what can happen when you combine celebrity power in a clothing sector in which the celebrity has some personal authority. Fabletics was previously named Textile Fashion Group and had produced Savis X Fenty, which it spun off in 2019. They get it, Mr. Bessler told Lizzo. Those words alone were so incredible because I hadn't heard them, she said. Nobody had believed in my wild dream. Actually, Mr. Ressler said, we think it's a multi-billion dollar opportunity. The Lizzo factor. Lizzo does not think that the market is saturated or that she missed the boat because there are other brands ahead of her. There's nothing like feeling you're, feeling like you're in the right place at the right time, she said. Giddy is something personal to me, something for the baby version of me, she continued. I've been parallel with the body positive movement for a long time, and people have made my name synonymous with it, and I'm always like, body positivity belonged to the people who truly created it. The black, brown, queer, big women, my girls in the 16 plus, 
as an indicator of intended audience, the ad campaign features models of all sizes, including Lizzo's best friend, who is an extra small, as well as Lizzo herself. Lizzo is the chief executive and co-founder of Yitty. Kirsten Distretter, the former chief marketing officer of Tabletics, is president. The lines took three years to develop and will range from extra small to 6x which is one size bigger than other of this than any of the other skims current offerings prices for leggings are 69.95 to 74.95 and bras will be 49.95 to 59.95 mm. there are two compression weights and intermarkable fabrics so the shorts and thongs and leggings can be worn without extra underwear bras that hold their shape without underwear without underwire and a print that looks like a butterfly in recycled packaging lizzo named all the colors though her favorite inventions for a bright blue and a bright pink are unprintable here I don't want to be the only one who can enjoy a Tommy with my body because I am not in privileged position where people want to make me stuff and I can afford it, Lizzo said. I want to help other people out in that way too. So they're not just looking at me and thinking, damn, I wish I could afford custom thousand dollar pieces. She also tried everything on. I do. I love a cheeky panty. I really do. She said, it can be tricky when you're using compression fabric because if it's too cheeky, it can roll up. But she said many times, I put a panty on and say, can you slide the side up this way? She mimed <laughs> rising the cut up the cut of the leg because it makes the booty look good. She has very strong opinions about what she likes. I cannot take off the Yiddy convertible bandeau for a long time, she said. I'm a bandeau innovator. As for the shape thong, I'm like, hello, big girls, wear thongs, let us wear thongs, and give me that little love up top. Yiddy will be sold on its own website and on the Fabletics website. It will also be sold in shop in shops at the 76 Fabletics store and have its own pop-up in the Los Angeles on April 12th. And it will be up front and center at Lizzo's tours and in her videos and TV shows. As far as she's concerned, it's the beginning of her next stage. I want to be a world changer, she said. I wasn't making, I, was, I wasn't just making cool music. My art always had a bigger purpose. Now I'm just taking things that, you taking that usefulness and making it tangible. That is something I'm building and that can hopefully last for generations, not just the company for the product. Company or the product, but the mentality of Yiddy, she continued. This idea of liberation with your body and being able to express it in different ways can go so far. I am definitely, I'm very excited about this line. I definitely want to get me some Yiddy. Lizzo, I have been following your career since you came out with Truth Hurts. Girl, you are amazing. You are amazing. And I love you. I love everything about you. And this line is going to change everything. And I'm proud that you love yourself and that you want us to love ourselves too for our bodies. Really, I love you, girl. Here it is. This is a love letter to my big girls and a welcome letter to everybody. 
This is not an invitation to change who you are. This is an opportunity to be who you are on your terms. Lizzie wrote in another post. Well, I'm feeling it, sis. Thank you. Thank you so unbelievably much. This is this is a great gift. This is a great gift to all of us. And I'm looking forward to the groundbreaking. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the groundbreaking changes that Yeti is going to create. Okay, guys. This is the end of our episode. We will be back next week, hopefully with some more news on Yeti and R. Kelly. But above all, thank you guys for tuning in. I'm looking forward to a new month with you guys. And... It's been the Chronicles of She. Love you.